Well, hello. Yeah, hello. Welcome back hello. to episode two of our weekend bender. I'm Taryn. I'm Renee. And I am Landon. We are sad. <laughs> we are sad, yes. We are, we are grieving. Sad. We are, yeah, we're here. We've come together. We've talked about a little last episode to sort of try and make something of a terrible tragedy that happened to us all last year. At the end of March 2022, we had lost our friend, little brother, son, Tanner, to a drunk driver in the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. No one saw it coming. And so everyone in his giant circle of uh, friends and loved ones were shocked to the core. Not really sure what to do about it. And it's been sort of a splintering experience for everyone. And so we want to try to come together to see, you know, how are we? One year later, it feels like a high school reunion no one wanted to check in. So last episode, Renee told her story. She's Tanner's mom and talked about what the, you know, the harrowing and unfathomable experience of losing a child is and the resources available to her in this day and age, how she responded to it, the quest for justice and, and what happens now. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely check that out. In this one, we're going to hear the story of another person extremely close to Tanner, sort of his journey throughout the last year, you know, ups, downs, and what what he kind of held on to to get him this far, because that's all we can do is get to where we are now. So, Landon, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Landon. As of right now, I'm a high school English teacher, and I've got two cats, uh, and I do karate. <laughs> there's there's a little bit about me. In a nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell. Kind of, I've, this is not my first kind of, I guess, traumatic death experience, but I think this one has definitely hit the hardest. When I was in high school, I had a, I had a friend that was murdered by her father, and then the father committed suicide shortly after. And then in 2019, I lost my dad to cancer. And then right at the start of 2022, I lost a friend, Abby, to a brain aneurysm. And then March 26, 2022, I had lost Tanner. And then just like two months after that, yet again, I had to put down my first cat, Sunshine, from a genetic disease. She didn't even make it a year. And then in September, September 9th, I won't say his name, but I did have a student at my school commit suicide. So it's been a very, it's been a very harrowing experience with death this past year, and it has been incredibly difficult to get through. Well, you, Landon, you have been through hell. There's, I don't think there's any other way to put it because you've covered pretty much every, I don't know, possible way someone could pass away. A lot of yours are, they, they seem to be, you know, unexpected and out of the blue, except for your dad. But mm-hmm. it's still, I believe that, you know, and as a preface, Landon's father is also my brother, half brother. So I could see Landon through this process. But he was, since he was diagnosed with cancer, you kind of had to watch his decline. And that wasn't easy either. Certainly. That was very difficult. I remember the day he had the cancer diagnosis. I had just gotten home from like, I don't know where I was, but I had just gotten home and he just like sat with me very seriously and let me know that he had quite a few masses on his body after he did, uh, I don't know, I think it was an MRI scan. And at that point, I think... I knew for sure, and I think the rest of my family really kind of understood, like, oh, this is stage four cancer, and there's really, there's not much coming back from that. The odds are really, really slim. Was that his, I didn't realize that was his first, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Is that what you I believe so, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I don't think the diagnosis came till later, but like we knew when okay. when he said they spotted multiple masses on the MRI machine. And then they showed him, like he knew, he knew it was stage four cancer because he worked in the medical field for basically his whole life. And he, he had been in that same position for someone else where you call in your buddies to see all the, all the tumors on someone's body 
so he immediately knew what it was and maybe not necessarily prepared, but I mean, he knew what was, what was going to be coming up for sure. And that was, when was this? I can't remember. 2018? Yeah. Summer of 2018. And can you kind of give a little backstory of your father, Rob, because it's a beautiful story and you're very blessed to, you both were blessed to find each other, but. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm of the opinion that everyone has a father. That doesn't mean it's your your biological father, and that was true for me. My biological father was not really present in my life, really at all, after my mom and him divorced. And luckily my mom found Rob, and I really did consider him my dad. He would go to all my events, support me through difficulties in high school and college, and then just offer good advice. So by the, I had planned this before the cancer diagnosis, where I wanted to be legally adopted by him. And then after we kind of heard the news, it was all the more reason to kind of get it going. And so like a month after that, maybe, maybe it was my birthday. I can't remember explicitly, but I handed him like the adoption papers and he cried and we, we just hugged each other. And it was a very like, emotional moment for both of us because he he hadn't had a son he's only had a daughter which was my little sister Sophie and so to like have a son with his last name I think meant a lot to both of us all of us honestly Landon it was beautiful well thanks yeah I, I think so too it was awesome and so to so long story short your mom met Rob they ended up getting married and she had you yeah. and your sister Emma and then uh-huh. they had Sophie together. So Rob really did cement the family and you guys were you guys are still, but a beautiful a beautiful story, except for the part where one of the most beautiful people in the world is gone now. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I remember a couple months after he died, I was talking to one of my mom's friends and she was telling me that like the relationship that he had with my mom was like fairy tale levels of excellent. Like hardly, I think there was one time where I actually saw them fight, but otherwise it was happy-go-lucky basically at all times. And they had really strong communication and very similar values. And so they got along really well. And that was really great to see kind of uh, what a good relationship should look like. Yeah. My guess is that they were probably fighting over if the Bronco, probably, you know, Rob's Bronco fan, so they're probably fighting over you know, Broncos versus Steelers. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that one was tough. The day he died, I remember I, police were knocking on my door, like campus police. I was an RA at the time at my college, and um, they were banging at my door at like 3 a.m., I mean, when I opened the door and saw them, I knew what had happened or what was going to happen. And so I got to the hospital and he was there, but he was so drugged up. He did not look like himself. His eyes were pointed in different directions. It looked like he had some sort of like vomit or bile kind of drooling out of his mouth. And there was a tube. It was a horrific sight to see. So... We had made the decision to unplug him from the machine, and then we just spent kind of his final moments, and it didn't take long. I think he was ready to die at that point. It was about 10 minutes off the machine before he finally took his last breath and then died. And that was um, an incredibly difficult experience to go through. Having, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Do you regret it? Like, some people are grateful even though it was so difficult that you were there as he took his last breath or were you more like it was so traumatic that I mean how did you feel yeah well it was definitely traumatic I'll tell you that much watching someone die in front of you is you know I don't think it can't not be traumatic good point but you know I was happy to be there with him in his last moments so there was something at least there with that yeah, it was just a real difficulty for me emotionally because I grew up without a father figure and then like in my early adulthood I had a father figure again and then he died. 
And so that was a very difficult, still is honestly, just a difficult experience to process. So when they say like when you face something like that, like your dad with the terminal illness, they call that, you know, anticipatory grief because you know that it's inevitable at some point he's going to pass away. There's no cure yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. So from like 2018 to December of 2019, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. How did, were you able to start processing some things or was it still kind of like a far-fetched idea and you didn't believe it because Rob was so full of life and in denial? How did you? Yeah, I definitely, I started processing it immediately. I got into therapy probably like that August, like two months after the diagnosis, I was in therapy kind of discussing this idea of like anticipatory grief. And that really helped me a lot. But even still with with kind of that support, moving into the summer of 2019, he just began to degrade and just not get better. He got thinner, more just sleepy, and just his quality of life was dwindling rapidly. And though I I had kind of talked with my therapist at the time, wrestling and grappling with the fact that he would die, seeing it play out in live time is, I don't think anything you can really prepare yourself for. It's like watching it in slow motion. That can't be, can't be easy. No, not at all. It was, it was very difficult. Yeah, very difficult. And that was, yeah, I was 21 when he died at the time. We had it on the bucket list to like share a beer together on my 21st birthday. And then, of course, I was, I had like a 102 fever on my 21st birthday. (laughs) (laughs) And then once I was recovered from that, I went over and he, he could not drink really. He had like maybe a sip. And that was it. And so that was really difficult. Yeah, there's a lot of things difficult with kind of the situation of cancer and just any impending like terminal illness. It's it's a hard mountain to climb. And I feel, and this could be wrong, but, you know, you're the only man of the family now. Yeah. And I don't know, did you feel pressure being, you know, you have your mom and your two sisters that were equally as you know grieving as equally or, or you know more your mom did you feel any pressure how did you handle that responsibility did you feel like you had that to do that responsibility or yeah i i wrestled with that for a long time probably even still today i wrestle with that idea of like filling in the shoes of the man of the house as a young 20-something kid, basically. I don't know what goes into being a man, really. I guess I'm trying to figure that out. But it has been difficult. I remember probably, I think it was like the day after he died, we were starting to clear stuff out of the house that was his, either to like put it away or like to donate it. And I remember my mom gave me a bag of his shoes and like, I totally like went down this like thought process of like, I I will symbolically have to fill these shoes now that he's gone. And that was a pretty, that was a really surreal moment for me to focus on that. Yeah, I can So I don't know. I still, I still grapple with manhood, I guess. And like, I, I show up for everything I need to show up for holidays. My little sister, Sophie has a bunch of plays. She's very theatrical. So I make, I make an effort to be there every time and to celebrate her achievements. And I know eventually for both my sisters, I will be the one that is going to walk them down the aisle since their dad can't be there for them. And so that'll be a difficult hurdle once we get there. Right now they're they're both single, so <laughs> yeah, I'm like the big brother's supposed to tell him not to get married, so you have some work to do, yeah, I know, yeah, so yeah, that'll be interesting, 
<laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, I suppose. I'm not really worried about it now. It is something that I will have to prepare for when it happens. And how, you know, this is a whole other episode, but watching your mom grieve the love of her life. And oh, yeah, I'm sure that wasn't easy because you were still in the area at the time. I, I don't I'm not sure if you were. Yeah. You know, so you I was I was uh, yeah, I, I, I would still visit and everything pretty frequently. And yeah, she had some real difficulties for herself. Because she just went into mom mode where she's making sure her kids are okay constantly. So constant check-ins, constant talks. And like we would try to tell her to go to therapy because like (laughs) she needs it. (laughs) But she would always say that she's too busy. And we're like, "Uh, no, you're not too busy. You can make time for yourself too. And we had that conversation basically every time I was there. I'm pretty sure she started going, but I can't, I can't say for certain if she did or not, but she, she just went into mom mode and kind of focused on what she could do best. Right. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, it only got easier from there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Global pandemic and. Oh yeah. And then, uh, spring 2022. Yeah. With Tanner's death. Yeah, so you you had talked about, you know, we were talking about anticipatory grief and just sort of what that looks like to watch, you know, that slow, agonizingly slow process of uh, someone's own body kind of turn against them. Mm -hmm. What what sort of, you know, got you out of that, you know, out of the the dark corners you were in (laughs) after that? Well, <laughs> and how did how did those perceptions or tools change after after Tanner died? Like, you know, what yeah. foundations were shaken there even further? For sure. Well, I'll tell you honestly, the first probably month I just smoked weed every day, like every day, completely abused substances, nicotine, weed, alcohol, but not to the point where I was an alcoholic, but I would definitely try to drink to excess. And that's something I have grappled with, with Tanner's death also, of this unhealthy coping of using substances to avoid the problem rather than face it. But after about a month or so, after my dad had died, I I really focused trying to get myself back up. So I turned to philosophy. I turned to kind of the wisdom of others around me, my support system. And I really found quite a joy in philosophy. And in fact, with that joy came the sharing of it with Tanner. And so I got him hooked on the philosophy of Stoicism, specifically through like Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor and a Stoic. And so that philosophy had really helped me through through my difficulties. It really kind of got me to accept that I too would die one day and that I would be forgotten about at one point in time. And so it's a scary thought to think, but it's also oddly comforting that virtually every other person on the planet has the same fate. And so I kind of took a lot of solace in that. I started doing more physical exercise and just helping myself. When COVID hit, I actually, Tanner and I joined a Dungeons and Dragons group over the pandemic. And so I got to grow a lot closer with him and I got to meet his friends and they slowly became my friends too. And so it was a really just enriching experience. And like, honestly, like for COVID, I I really consider it more a blessing than anything. And I, I think that's just from personal experience. And I know a lot of people had very hard times, but I really had a lot of time to focus on my friends and family. And even though I couldn't necessarily see them in person, We live in a technological age where I could still call Tanner up and chat with him and hang out with him and his buddies. And so that was really cool. But yeah, so then Tanner's death, basically the same. I I reverted to the same grieving practices that I did when my dad died. And so I smoked weed a lot. I jumped back onto nicotine. And on top of this all, now I had a girlfriend that I was living with. And 
I hid it from her because I was so ashamed. And that's been something I've grappled with for a while now, because I think that was probably one of the indicators that the relationship was not in a good place with just how I was hiding, how I was coping. And with that coping, if you can call it that, I just kind of shut down. I went on autopilot and just existed. I didn't really have any goals or motivations to do anything. I would simply go to work, come home, and just sit, wait for my girlfriend to go to bed so then I could smoke. And it was it was a very, very difficult time to just get through that. I'm sorry to sorry to hear that, but I definitely have been in that boat. <laughs> I speak in I speak in the past tense as though I've left the boat. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I I agree. It's an insanely difficult place to be in. It's a death like like Tanner's. There is no you don't get that kind of forewarning mm-hmm. that it's going to happen. I mean that yeah. day he died, we were all gonna be hanging out at a party. Yeah, at my place. we were gonna have a board game all night. Yeah. It was gonna yeah. be just a fun time, friends hanging out and having fun. Yeah, that was that was such a shock because we were all getting ready and like he even messaged our group chat that day, calling me a simp or something. I remember <laughs> it was yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, like just like two hours later, CJ messaged the group chat and it's like Tanner was killed in a car accident, and from there everything just kind of just faded into a blur. I I definitely wasn't sure to make of that text. I remember exactly the one you're talking about. I yeah. was cleaning for that party. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. I know in our group for the first like maybe thirty seconds, minute, like I don't know. I don't even know how long it was a blur. I thought it was like a joke or something. Yeah, me too. Until he sent like that follow up one. Even when he did, I I just kept cleaning. I didn't know what else to do. I Oh yeah. Like you had talked about with, with your dad and you know, I don't I don't know how extended you guys' family is, but, you know, there's been COVID deaths in the last few years and, you know, senior family members and stuff, Mm -hmm. they all die. But, you know, for kids our age group, Tanner's age group, something like that is a real reminder of, like, your own mortality. You had talked about the readings of Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism. And I think that's like kind of the go-to for every white guy in his 20s. (laughs) It's good advice. Something goes. (laughs) Yeah. When something goes wrong. That's the thing with Tanner's death is that we had grown such a love of this philosophy together that when he died, I, I couldn't open the book. I simply refused. And that only just embedded my issues and my grief where like I just felt stuck and I didn't want to open that book up because I have his book I have his copy and I know because I wrote for, for his eulogy that he had underlined certain passages that he really resonated with and for whatever reason just in those moments I simply was not ready to open that book and so it was really just kind of a aimless existence for the better part of six months from his death. Did you feel like the philosophy had failed you in a way, like because this happened, or I think my emotional connection to the philosophy made it all the more painful to revisit it. I think deep down I knew it was like the key to help me kind of start picking myself up, but I just I did not want to face it. That's a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Escapism. So instead I coped Escapism. with weed and nicotine, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're here. Yeah. And the, the sad thing is, is weed and nicotine does what it's supposed to. You know, you don't feel it in the yeah. sense of... Yeah, everything just kind of got numb. Yeah, the numbness. And I feel like sometimes, you know, the the first stage is kind of like, denial but that you know you are you spend a lot of time being numb you know you feel yeah. you're, you're not happy you're not sad you're just like existing but you're numb 
Like I'm still waiting for Tanner to come home. You know, he's, he's in Germany right now or something. And so the numbness, I can, I honestly can see why people turn to substances to help ease some of those things. But I appreciate the fact about you, Landon, is that you are very thought provoking and thought, you know, do a lot of thinking that you're able to see the big picture of everything and how you were kind of, you don't know, not spiraling, but struggling. Yeah, definitely struggling. I remember one day my ex got home from work and she just looked at me and was like, oh, your spark is gone. Like, I just did not have the like the light in my eyes that I did before Tanner's death. Right. And that was a real just like kick in the teeth, <laughs> to put it lightly. <laughs> but it was true, too. Was it a turning point for you to hear you that? No, I think it should have been, but it, it just wasn't. It was just more a grim acceptance of like, oh, this is who I am now. Right. I didn't really get a turning point until early October. My girlfriend had convinced me to go into karate, into martial arts. And that really, honestly, like now looking back, like that, that was what really helped me get on track was discipline, self-discipline in physical exercise. And mental, too. And so it was just incredible to jump into something that I was really terrified of. And like now every day, I'm just obsessed with it. I'm just looking forward to my next my next lesson because, I don't know, something about it really clicked with me of um, just getting up and doing it. Just acting, really. Action. We broke up like a week after that, which was kind of a bummer. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I think she'll never know it, but she really did give me the tool to help myself out of this hole because nothing was working. And I was too afraid to face the things that had worked in the past. And you have your two cats to hang out with you. They're probably oh, a yeah. lifesaver, too, because our animals do <laughs> sense things, I think, sometimes. So they do. I'm sure they kept you comforted. Yeah. To be completely honest, like this past year has just been riddled with suicidal thoughts of just what's the point. And luckily those thoughts have never won. So I'm grateful for that. And part of that definitely is like the cats. Like when I'm in a funky headspace, as you have just kind of said, like they, they can sense that. And so they'll jump up and cuddle me or whatever. And then it's like, oh my God, I have this little fur ball of life that I, I need to take care of. Like, I love them. I want to take care of them. And that has been a good motivator, especially in, in my darkest nights, to just keep keep trudging, keep pushing through. And do you feel like when you're in your darkest nights, because you have a pretty, like you mentioned, like you met Tanner's friends. You guys kind of have a little group, core group of dudes. Mm-hmm. When you felt like that, was it more of a a chore to reach out to your friends who are kind of similarly going through this? Or did you feel more I need to isolate more because you didn't want to talk? Yeah, I definitely felt the, the grief. Yeah, I felt agreed. I, I felt the the need to isolate more. It's an irrational urge, I think. And it's just what I what I have done in the past is just to kind of close off and deal with the turmoil inside instead of reaching for help. And like, if I could go back, I would do it differently where I would reach out. But for those moments, yeah, for sure. They definitely were a support that could help me with that. But in a way also with three other deaths and then the loss of a pretty serious romantic partner, I felt like I was pretty alienated in my experience. And so I just kind of resolved to save my difficult discussions with my counselor. And that was like every other week we'd meet. We still do. Shout out to Jeray. You're really cool. Good. <laughs> you got to find a therapist yeah. you connect with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. What was your what was your therapy process like, like getting to Janae? Is that the first therapist you saw? Or? So I saw one early or late May and just tried talking with her, but we really did not click that well. And. So I just, I went to Germany over the summer, and when I came back, I just did not contact her. 
and I felt in a pretty decent headspace at that time. But then once my student had committed suicide, it trudged up all these past feelings of grief and loss to the point where I felt like I was just back to day one after Tanner's death. And so it was really difficult. And my ex had really pushed me to seek out another therapist. And even still, I was, I don't know why, but I was just hesitant and I didn't want to push through. But I finally did basically the same week I joined karate. Like that week was a huge turning point for me. And it was, it was incredible. And so I love my therapist now. She's really cool. She nerds out and she's very educated on a lot of different like coping practices. And so I try to apply those every time we meet. Is she a grief therapist or is she more like you said, a practical therapist that kind of umbrellas everything that's going on in life yeah, or is so it more focused? Yeah. General. She's more general. I think technically she's a counselor, but <laughs> I don't know. Therapy, counseling, they, they are very similar. Whatever gets the book. job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually reached out to her because she was cheap. It was like 45 bucks per session because she was still and still is like a student. Like she's, she doesn't have her official license yet, but she's in like the clinical hour phase of her program. So like this summer, I think she actually graduates and will become fully licensed. But oddly enough, I mean, the cheap price and then just the, the connection that we've had had really had just clicked everything, everything about my counselor and I had just clicked. And so it was it was the support I needed most when I needed it most. What uh what does that support kind of look like for you coming from a counselor? Right? It's different for a lot of people. Some people like very <laughs> kind of technical research based yeah. solutions that they could go home and do homework on and, and kinda of look yeah. at some people some people like Renee had talked just... about in the last episode, they just want to be validated. Yeah. In their feelings. Some people just tell you to white knuckle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, white knuckle it for the next month. Yeah. Yeah, so the process with Duray and I's our process right now is just talking we'll we'll have certain talking points scheduled for the next week or the next session based on what we've talked about this session. And so, so some of those things, not necessarily homework, although from time to time she will email me just some reading material about something we've talked about, whether it be like Zen Buddhism, or different practices. Like I remember when I broke up with my ex, it was, she sent me a couple of activities I could do to help me process, like writing a goodbye letter and things like that. And so whenever something new and difficult had come up, first we would kind of touch on what we wanted to talk about from the last session, but then we would start to unpack these new difficulties together and that would kind of give us an in for the next week or the next session so we could we could then revisit that and see how I was feeling about it. Nice. Nice. Yeah, Jeray, she is a real one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeray. You're a real American hero. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so obviously your your ex-girlfriend has been <laughs> an extremely hit or miss mainly miss support system. She showed you karate yeah. and made you get a therapist. Yep. And then otherwise not the best. Definitely not the best. Work. Not someone that you know, honestly bullet dodged <laughs> as far as like marriage is concerned. In in short, I don't want to talk bad about her cuz she's got her own demons to fight same as me. So like yeah, she's she's got her own difficulties and so I can respect that. But she just could not be there for me. She could not support me when I was at my lowest. And that's kind of all there is to it. And so there was a slow degradation to our relationship in that final month where there was a lot of difficulty in just arguments and fights where it seemed to me that I was always the issue in the relationship and that it was never her problem or her responsibility. And so to some degree, I would agree, but I think there was a point where it just got excessive and it felt like I just wasn't in a good relationship. And so, yeah, we had a long talk and it was a mutual decision to break it off. And so I'm glad for that. Like it was, it was the cleanest breakup I ever had. <laughs> That's all you can ask for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> yeah, but it was difficult. If it mess with your car, then you're good. But aside from that, 
what aside from you know the support systems that you were you know kind of offered or found you've been you're a very introspective guy Mm -hmm. um, especially when things like this happen for sure were there people that you reached out to people who who reached out to you or you found that you know either of your age group of a different age group new friends you made um like renee had made a new friend in california based off of her grief yeah stuff like that so what kind of support system not people that you pay yeah (laughs) where was has been built up over the last year so yeah over the last year i didn't have a lot of people reach out to me other than like renee my uncle ryan had also reached out to me quite a bit and my mom and even my sister emma who's just two years younger than me had reached out every once in a while and i think that was to be expected because when my dad died it it was basically and renee you could probably speak on this a little too but the first month, it's just overwhelming support. Meals exactly. are sent to you. You are constantly called. People are constantly checking in. After about a month after the service, it just kind of became radio silence. And everyone had just kind of started moving on with their own lives. And like with my dad, like I still felt stuck. And so I kind of expected that with Tanner's death. And that's kind of what I got. Just very few very few people reaching out. Well, also Taryn, you. <laughs> you and I definitely, I feel like, had grown just a lot closer, even before Tanner's death. And so, like, I definitely had always found support when we would talk, even if it was just talking about coping in horrific ways with, with <laughs> weed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I found, being an introspective guy, that only in the past probably two months, two or three months, had I really found support in literature. And so I I started reading Tanner's book, Tanner's Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, and looking at his annotated and underlined passages. And then I started reading The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi, which really kind of helped me focus on my passion for the martial arts. And so those two... <laughs> had been probably my biggest supports in the sense that this is like thousands year old wisdom and they're they're discussing the same questions I was feeling today in 2023 and so I I took a lot of support from that and I I began applying their teachings to my life to just kind of really help me kind of grow out of this shell Nice, yeah. I definitely a year ago would not have picked his martial arts landed, but <laughs> Same. Yeah, you're really you're really owning it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's awesome. Do you think because of this journey that you've taken that you could be of some sort of support for someone else, or is it still like your own individual journey? Because it's hard to talk about death. Like I'm proud of you, yeah. Landon, because you look at the big picture of what you what you said you've gone through since high school I guess and it kind of just starts the ball rolling and it's almost like you're afraid of what the next day is going to bring because you've had more unexpected deaths than you know anticipated death yeah for sure it's been there's been a lot of death in my life for sure so do you feel like you could help someone yeah I think I could while it was going down I felt like I was cursed Genuinely, like I I would say that out loud, like I feel like I'm just cursed. Like every other month, someone else had died for 2022. And that was so horrific to get through. But I, I feel like right now, going through it all and finally, like being able to grow as an individual, spiritually, physically and mentally, I think I could offer that support to people. And in fact, I was just, I was just in Greeley over the weekend and I was talking to a buddy who has begun the painful trial of his mother going through dementia, early onset dementia. And so we talked about that at length and I felt like I was, and I, I will be as it, as she begins to deteriorate a strong support system for him to lean on if he needs it. That's good because you are such a value. You really are a valuable person to all of us. And I can say that because you're also my nephew, but (laughs) 
going back to what you said about, you know, the people reaching out, it was a very fine line for me and your mom, Uncle Ryan, because we want to be respectful of your space. But at the same time, yeah. we're, we're terrified of your mental health, like your well-being, your mental health. And so it's, it's just, grief is just, it's ripples and it's, everyone handles it differently. And, you know, you isolate and some people go the complete opposite and you struggled with demons. You struggled with demon thoughts, but there's nothing, you know, we just wanted to know you're okay. But picking up that phone and texting back is not easy. It's not. And like, I've had that issue, I think my whole life (laughs) where I just don't text back. Yeah, I think it's a guy thing because I can honestly say that your mom, Landon, <laughs> and your mom, Taryn, and my own son does not text very well anyway. So then it's like this happens yeah. and it's like multiplied. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I've already got the ingrained behavior of not texting back. Now when it's <laughs> like a very kind of crucial text, I still don't have the, I didn't have like the the real emphasis to reply still. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, when your mom lost your dad, it was the same thing for her. But when you're, mm. you know, watching it from a different perspective, then it, it changes a little bit because you're her son. You're my nephew. You're, mm-hmm. we're worried about you. So. Well, thank you for reaching out as often as you did. I really do appreciate it. Did you? No, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Genuinely. No. I think that just knowing someone like you said when everything's said and done after the month you start like not hearing from people yeah and that's fine in a way but it's also like wait 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 you know where'd you go or did you forget me or my dad and Mm -hmm. you know so it's hard because you weren't texting anyone anyway but (laughs) they're not texting me and I'm like well maybe I could just do a heart like I've had some friends just send me a purple heart that's all Mm -hmm. they do just so I know they're thinking about me but I don't know what it is about the initial death of someone. People are all about it. I don't, I don't understand. And then it just kind of. Yeah. It's kind of like, I feel like funerals and weddings are the most like communal events for the human life. Like it's where everyone comes together. Those I think are like the two big events in a person's life where everyone gets to come together to celebrate them. Except, I don't know, you ever been to Barbecue Fest? <laughs> no, I haven't, but I know your dad has. <laughs> <laughs> You're a loss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll go. But yeah, I think part of it, and I think I might have mentioned this earlier, is just that people just kind of move on. For them, like some of the people that were at the service and hugging me and reaching out were like coworkers of his or distant friends that I really had never met before. And so after, you know, so long, they knew my dad in their own way. And so I think they grieve him in in their own capacity. And it's not to the extent of like a son for his father, but I, and with that, I, I don't think it's as intense or maybe as severe if they're grieving the loss of a, a, an, an old friend versus like the loss of a father or in your case, like the loss of a son. And so right. maybe they just don't, they don't, they don't know. They don't know Until how you to know, respond you don't know. or how to, how to, how to reach out to you after a month. Right. You don't know till you know. And yeah, I guess that's a good thing for, for them, but not for us, is it? Nope. It sucks. You're going on four years and Yeah, wow. It's like yesterday for you probably. I'm it's like yesterday for me, for your dad. Yeah. You know, and I know we this will be a whole other episode about your philosophy and you know, how you look at the afterlife and blah blah blah. But mm-hmm. as a Christian and your mom is a Christian, we both find comfort in the fact that we believe that your dad and Tanner are chilling and hanging yeah. out and are with each other and that to some people might sound you know, ludicrous, but we do find comfort that they're together mm-hmm. and they're with us still. So, you know, you try to find little things that you can hold on to, to make sense yeah. of something. Do you I, feel, I would agree. Yeah. 
we'll have a whole other talk about this someday. Yeah, know, we, we'll have a whole episode dedicated to yeah. this. But, but yes, I agree. One thing that I think I really grappled with approaching the one-year anniversary of Tanner's death was faith. Faith in the world or whatever. Because, you know, it's just so hellish that a, a man could just get completely plastered at 2 p.m. on a Saturday and then kill Tanner. And so, like, if and you're... And then just be walking around. Yeah, for, yeah, a, year, for a year, celebrating that. holidays and spending time with a fully alive family. It's difficult, but I think I've come to the conclusion that everyone needs faith. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a religious faith. Some, I think, is, you know, the, the universe. Some, it's God. I think for myself, I've really found faith in, in kind of like spiritualism. I've almost like created my own faith to kind of help me accept and process kind of the world around me. And that's good because that's where your peace comes from. And like you said, it's individualized. And as long as everyone's respectful of that process, and again, we can have another, you know, episode on that because there's a lot of people that, you know, if they don't, if I don't believe the way they believe, you know, it's a whole other argument when it should be very personal and spiritual and oh know, yeah, basically. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Well, I do, you know, Landon, I'm very proud of you. I can say that, you know, you've grown up to be a, I'm not going to cry, but a really amazing <laughs> kid. You really have. And you did matter to Tanner with your philosophy. And uh, the kind of the joke was, after he spent time with you, he would try to use some of that philosophy on me or ask me philosophical questions. And I could, I was like, oh my gosh, you were just talking to Landon, weren't you? Because I can't think that deep. I don't know how you think that deep. And... There's one night, and you know, I know you remember this night, you and Tanner must have driven around, I don't know where you guys were, but you drove around and you guys talked about a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you talked about, but I think it was, you know, a lot of philosophy. And the joke for Tanner was, <laughs> he would say like, Landon wouldn't let me out of the car. <laughs> so that's why he had to stay and talk to you about <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't a blast through <laughs> it was funny but I yeah so yeah but you you helped him think in a bigger way and you know both you and your your sisters and my kids were raised in the catholic church and you guys went through all those sacraments and i'm still a christian your mom's still a christian but to watch you guys kind of just figure it out for yourself even though it didn't align necessarily with us at the time Forever mm -hmm. will. I thank you for that gift you gave Tanner because he didn't know even where to start thinking about the big picture. Mm -hmm. You know, so I do appreciate, you know, well, actually, all his friends, they're like, Landon is our guru. I mean, they feel like <laughs> <laughs> so you're like the the guy in the Ninja Turtles or something, the sensei or something. Oh, yeah, but, Master Splinter. Master Splinter. <laughs> <laughs> So know that you have made an impact on Tanner's friends, but you definitely made an impact on Tanner with your open-mindedness and the thought-provoking questions and all yeah. those things. So I'm, I do appreciate that about you. Well, cool. I am honored. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> I had no mm -hmm. idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny. I think I do remember that, that nighttime drive. That was like the last time you really had a one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know where you guys were. Oh, we just drove. We just drove around. We talked about everything. Life That's goals awesome. for Tanner. He was really looking forward to like going to a dealership and getting a car. Talked a lot about CJ and just how sometimes he's very stoic and quiet. He does have a heart. Yes, and CJ is Tanner's brother. Yes. I don't know. We haven't really referenced him much, but no, yeah, <laughs> maybe not cameo. Yeah, <laughs> but then I, I really do remember because I had talked with CJ like a week before that Tanner was just like mentally struggling, 
Um, and that's why I wanted to hang with him. And so when I pulled up to your guys' house at the end of the night, I just like hugged him and embraced him. And I told him that I loved him. And he said the same back. And it was a very just, I don't know, very surreal feeling that like that was really the last one-on-one -on -one I had with Tanner. And I'm very grateful that it ended on such a positive and like loving note. Me too. And he probably jumped out of the car and did some sort of dance move and <laughs> ran into the house. <laughs> oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> I appreciate you talking to us, Landon. And hopefully you'll mm -hmm. talk more another time. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have yeah. any Thanks like guys for having me on? Funny. I like to think of funny. You guys have funny stories. You guys have known Tanner since he was a tot. You know. Yeah. And you guys have done a lot oh, of yeah. things with Tanner. So, is there any story that you guys maybe share weird about Tanner that? will make me, his mom, kind of laugh a little bit. I'm sure there's a lot, but... Yeah, there's there's a lot. <laughs> I've got one when we went camping in uh, the summer of 22. You want to tell his mom about that? <laughs> I'm just <What>? kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, we found a, a naked commune in the woods. and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. I brought my throwing axe to camping and we were just like throwing and like there was a mushroom on the ground that he kicked over and like that just spawned a whole thing where like later that day we just went on a like a two-hour hike and just like looking at mushrooms that we saw growing out of the ground and then we would start giving them names and so <laughs> yeah some of the names were like one of them we called chicken pot pie because the top of the cap looked like a chicken pot pie with like the little holes and everything. <laughs> One was carton of eggs where it was just like little like white blobs kind of joined together. And so that was just like, it, it was a fun experience of just like goofing around and like making shit up with him. That's nice. one, that's one memory I'll cherish forever. Nice. That's a good one. <laughs> he's a, he's a goofy lad. Yeah, he is. He was a goofy lad. Yes, he was. So, well, I know you have karate night, so yeah, you got some, you got some karate to do. So yeah, we'll let you get to that. But okay. thank you so much for coming and talking. You'll yeah, be, you'll be back on again to impart some some wisdom. Cool, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Thank you, Landon. Thank you, nice. Renee. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, Terry. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Check us out. We got another episode out today. Today is a very special day. It is. Today is Tanner's 21st birthday. So this is a really bittersweet day. But we'll keep moving forward and trying to open up the dialogue of grief and share stories about the loved ones that we have lost. Until then, I'll pour one out for Tanner on your 21st.